go. Let's see. Well, we'll see what it looks like up here. But there's this one that I don't go to very often. It's at the top of Skyline. That um, is, it's the BPA road, so it goes under the power lines and just kind of goes like all the way down to the end of this, um, where there's this overlook where you can see like three mountains. Oh. So maybe we'll do that one. You are listening to the Staple, an arts and culture podcast presented by the IPRC. In this episode, we hear from writer Alexis Smith. Alexis worked for years at Powell's Books, writing hundreds of reviews for their website on both mainstream and obscure works, while finishing her first novel, Glaciers. Glaciers went on to be published by Tin House, earning critical acclaim, being named a finalist in the Ken Casey Awards, with international editions published in Italy, Spain, and the UK. She's currently finishing her second novel, Marrow Island, to be published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in 2016. I recently took a walk with Alexis through Forest Park. We both agreed that, rather than sitting down for a formal interview, I would just carry a microphone and record whatever we ended up talking about. Right away, on the trail, she started talking about the rocks beneath our shoes. Yeah, some of this gravel has jasper in it, this red, red and yellow and green. If you find it on the beach, it's going to be polished. Um, well, this isn't. I don't know what this is. Um, if you find it on the beach, it's, it's polished. It looks like um, more glass-like. Jasper's a kind of um, microcrystalline quartz with inclusions in it, like um, iron oxides and things like that that make it that change the colors. So it's like it's like uh, they're formed in the same way that agates are formed. So it's just like. Uh, liquid silicone and it it drips into the holes in um, volcanic rock as it's cooling and um, and then just stays there kind of in the volcanic rock and more and more of it seeps in over time and that's how you get like the banded agates that have you know different circles that look like the rings of a tree <clears throat> I think that every time I see you in person you bring up agates <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I have. Uh, my family uh, on both sides are, are rock hounds. So we often beachcomb, pick up agates and interesting rocks on the way. And um, we've done this my whole life. In fact, I went to Oceanside and had a little writing retreat this winter. And um, every day I would go down for a walk on the beach and would come back with just my pockets full of agates and this really beautiful dark green jasper. And, um, and after I had finished the retreat and I was going to drive back to Portland, I decided that I couldn't in good conscience bring like six pounds of rocks back. Have you ever been to um, Cape Lookout? So it's, it's out, outside of Tillamook, I think a little southeast of Tillamook, I think. And there's a hike you can do down to the beach. It's about two miles. And so I decided I had time for a hike. So I stopped there and I'm in the parking lot and I'm alone in my car. And there's like, I don't know, maybe two or three other cars with people getting out, getting ready to go on hikes. And I am in my car shoving rocks in my pockets. For a minute, I thought about what that might look like. (laughs) 
<laughs> to people just walking by the car to watch me just putting rocks in my pockets and then heading out alone to the beach. But um, I hiked down there and I got down there and I sort of like, you know, returned the, <laughs> the agates to the ocean. And, um, and then I looked down at my feet and there was like the biggest agate I found the whole, the whole trip. There was this enormous agate. It was bigger than all of them right at my feet after I gave all of these agates back to the ocean. And I thought, well, you obviously want to come home with me. So. Up with the sunrise, you'll be staring out through the window all the day. from when I was doing journalism is like every week you get feedback right. and it was wonderful um, and not even, even so much feedback as they would just change things and then send it to you you'd be like oh wow good how much like do they do actual edits or do they just give kind of notes uh, a little of both yeah. um, the first big round of edits um, I mean she was really great because for all of the, you know, do you really mean this word or rewrote this to this, there was also like, this is beautiful, love this, you know, so that there was a sense of, it's not just that she, I shouldn't, it's not just that she doesn't like this, it's that she likes it to be more like this, or that, or not that she likes it, you know, it's just like it works better like this, or, um, which I think is always helpful. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not super helpful to just, be told something isn't working um, because usually we kind of intuitively know that right. anyway. You want to know why. You want to know why, yeah, and how it could be and which parts are working so that you can you can find a way to I don't know, maybe um, like borrow from whatever technique is working in one part and make it work somewhere else. That's the hard part about working with plot, I'm finding. <laughs> yeah, you said that, I think last time I talked to you, I think you just sort of blurted, like, I hate plot. <laughs> I don't hate it. I mean, I love, I love stories. It's just, um, it's just that when plot is not working, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, you, you know, when you're, when you were the one who is like building the machine and, and watching it move, like watching the parts move, mm -hmm. it's really different than if you're reading it on the other side of it. So you feel like you're, everything feels mechanical when you're working with plot. And it's really hard to tell what, what pieces are, you know, everything, everything is artificial to you because you're creating it, you're making it up, you know, so it's, it's always hard to, um, to stand outside of your own work and, and figure out exactly you know, is this believable? Is, it, is anybody going to buy this? Yeah, I was going to say, it's sort of the difference between building the frame and painting on it. 
But then what you just said made me think it's not even as nice as building a frame. <laughs> Hi. Are you lost? Well, we are looking for the File in 15. Is it file in 15? File in 15? No. Let's see. So, um, we are looking for... See, we came here. Down there while Aurora, we, we crossed the Newton and we crossed the BPA. Yeah, this, this is, is BPA. BPA. Yeah. And dominate the otherwise rolling leg. Turn right into file in 15. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so you're doing a loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you keep going that way. Secret spot as thin as summer threads. Hidden in the hands of summer dress. It's only skin. Summer is my least favorite season. So I always get, I get a little bit, um, I get a little bit depressed and I kind of just want to, I just want to sit at the beach. That's either be at the beach where it's cooler. Um, not talking. Like for some reason, talking in the summertime always feels really, it just takes too much. <laughs> Why? <laughs> is it because you're hot? I hate the heat. It's probably part of it. Um, but also just, there's something weird to me about it being sunny all the time. Like, I guess because I grew up in the Northwest. It, but I get a little bit freaked out if it doesn't get cloudy and rainy every now and then. And in the summertime, it just, it's so, we don't get a lot of, you know, long stretches of rain in the summer. And we don't actually get them in the winter anymore. <laughs> so maybe that makes summer harder because the winters aren't the same. And most people get seasonal affective disorder the other way, right? It's just winter. But right. I think it can happen in the summer. I find it really hard to write in the summer. Oh. I should say that, like, like my thinking becomes kind of thick, and it's harder for me to sort through thoughts and actually translate them into anything. Um, I just want to make jam, like pick berries and make jam, and uh, and drink cool things, and be at the beach. Those are, those are like what I like to do all summer. That would be my ideal. I didn't have to work in some way. It's also a lot hard to run in the summer. Like I have to get up really early because I don't I don't like running in the heat. So once it hits about 60, 65, like it's it's too hot to go running for me. So I have to get up really early in the morning, which is not a bad thing because there's usually fewer people out, but um, it's more work. And I sleep in a lot in the summer. It's a, a really weird... Like, once fall comes around, I'll start waking up earlier and earlier, which is the backwards, right? Like, yeah. you would think as it's lighter in the morning, you would wake up, but I just fall into these, like, heavy... Like, like I'm just... Like, I'm covered in, like, warm velvet sleeps, where it's just... 
I just have to claw my way out of sleep every morning. <laughs> when I sleep in and it's hot and I wake up and it's hot and bright, I get really emotional and needy. <laughs> really? Up with the sunrise, you'll be staring out through the window on the day. I'll be another waking shadow cast on the covers of your Uh, when you hold them up to the light, the light goes through them. Oh, they're translucent. Oh. Yeah. Ah. I mean, and they, there's different kinds. There are some that have like mossy inclusions. It's not actual moss, but it's like different minerals will seep in through cracks and they sort of spread out. So it looks like they're full of, it looks like a piece of moss trapped in glass. Um, there's lots of different kinds that are really, they are, there are books, there are whole books you can read about the different kinds of agates there are. I think I have one that's just called agates. <laughs> you can borrow it if you want. Um, it's kind of interesting. I think about it a lot. This um, I dream about it. Yes, I dream about being at a beach and finding just like the most amazing agates. And when I was much younger, I used to dream about finding really amazing thrift stores where, you know, and I wrote about this in Glaciers, where, like, there were just racks and racks of most amazing vintage dresses you've ever seen. And they were all, like, $5 that day or whatever, you know. I would have these dreams. I haven't had those dreams in quite a while. They've been replaced by agate dreams. And I think a lot about what, like, why? Why, why have recurring dreams about finding rocks? Like, it's, it's pretty strange. But I think it's has something to do with, with wanting to find, when you're writing a story and you don't know quite what your, your focus is gonna be or what your purpose is in the story. And, um, and then suddenly, as you're writing, just like something comes out of you that you weren't expecting and it's, it's you know, surprising and, and beautiful and it works. That's like what finding an agate's like. It's like you're walking along the beach and then suddenly there's this like, there's this, this gemstone, just like ocean-washed gemstone right there at your feet. <laughs> Once I was a broken bottle that is, that is Mount St. Helens. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, you can sort of see it. Adams is behind it. Right. It's just barely, it's hazy. And we can't see Hood right now because it's it's too far that way. Yeah, but sometimes you can also see That was writer Alexis Smith. Once again, her upcoming novel, Marrow Island, will be published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in 2016. 
The music in this episode was by Laura Gibson. Her albums can be purchased through iTunes or her website, lauragibsonmusic.com. This episode was produced by myself, Sonny Bleckinger, and mastered by Robert Maciel. Thanks for listening. I'll be